0: As we open today's program, I want you to think about these words from the book of Isaiah, chapter 5. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman And welcome to our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman Yesterday I started on this theme of deliver us from evil. For those that listen as a podcast, you'll notice that today's title is Deliver us from evil, part 2. Now there are a number of thoughts that I want to share with you today on the program about the topic of evil in our time. And and I know a lot of people listen to many preachers and Christian radio programs that spent a lot of time talking about the end times. Now, while we talk about end times on this program, it's not always our focus. A lot of the focus of this program is, number one, preparing Christians to be able to deal with the world in which we are living. Number two, and this is equally as important, to share the good news of Jesus Christ to those that don't know Him, and have the assurance of their salvation. And so yes, this program looks at world events and even things like the coronavirus from a Christian worldview. And for the past 20 some odd months, we've been talking about the evil that is around us. We have spent a lot of time talking about COVID-19, the restrictions, the media lies, the, the government lies, the loss of freedom. And people, I think, are beginning to catch on, especially when it comes to COVID-19. Where we live in Florida and in Georgia, and while visiting family in Virginia, I've noticed something in the last several months. A lot of people uh, just don't act like they care about COVID much any longer. It's obvious that those In government, especially in the blue states and our federal government, are keeping the dream of COVID alive every chance they get. You look at many of these photo ops and people still walking around outdoors wearing a face mask. It doesn't matter that every legitimate study that has ever been done, even the most recent, are indicating that a face covering has little to no effect on getting or spreading COVID-19. But people still put them on. A lot of people are now so conditioned to fear, they can't think for themselves any longer. But most people are, are catching on that maybe some of those COVID deaths were not necessarily COVID after all. Maybe these vaccines don't work as advertised. The number of people willing to roll up their sleeve has gone down substantially. I also saw a story about a high school in California where high school seniors are being denied walking in graduation if they are not vaccinated, which is one of the most insane, stupid things I've ever heard in my life. Young people are not at risk for COVID-19, period. End of discussion. Young people are not great spreaders of COVID-19. And the vaccines have proven to be ineffective. They don't stop the spread, and they don't stop you from getting COVID-19. In fact, you will spread COVID-19 just as equally with or without the vaccine, and you'll pick it up just as easy to spread it to somebody else with or without the vaccine. But the reprobate mind that runs government in California, well, you've got to be vaccinated or you're going to kill us walking in your high school graduation. This is the absurdity to which we've descended. And I really believe the agenda that pushed COVID-19 as hard as it did is Glued and married to evil. Those that were playing with coronaviruses are generally evil people trying to create a biological plague. Over the past 20 months, we've talked about some of the actors. Of course, some, you know, like Anthony Fauci. Others you don't know quite as well. Peter Eco EcoHealth Alliance. And and many others that have been involved with playing with these viruses. And recently, in my opinion, there was a trial balloon put up there called monkeypox to see if how many people would fall for it as an excuse. In other words, how many are conditioned to live in fear? How many people will stay at home? How many people will shut down their businesses because of a new? New strain of monkeypox. Most people are pretty much over COVID 19. There's some that still live in fear, and there's some in government, like in that school district in California, they're keeping the evil dream alive, denying a student that completed high school the right to walk in their graduation. A number of students will not be walking, and I applaud their decision not to become an experimental guinea pig for the COVID-19 gene therapy non-vaccines, which is what they are these are not vaccines by any prior definition the powers that be now know who is going to be compliant and who is not going to be compliant we live in a world full of evil that's what I was talking about yesterday and today We live in a world that is blatantly, extremely evil. This month of June, it's called Pride Month, where people celebrate their homosexuality. They do it openly, and oftentimes they do it in a vulgar and very disgusting and evil manner. I mentioned yesterday on the program, for those that listen to the program Monday through Friday, even the Marines have been co-opted into the LGBTQ agenda. And they're celebrating Pride Month. Now, my father was a United States Marine. He served in World War II. He risked his life. If he was alive today, I think he'd be very disappointed in the Marine Corps and for what they stand for now. Now. The Navy, the Air Force, the Army, Coast Guard, Space Force, all are being co-opted into the LGBTQ agenda. Now, number one, what does our sexuality have to do with our service? Number two, if we're trying to keep people pure, why would we have men that are attracted to other men living in close quarters with other men? I think that would be a problem for discipline and morale. But see, our military in the United States and pretty much in much of the world, it has become a social experiment. I said it yesterday, and I'll remind people that didn't have a chance to hear it. Here in the United States, when World War II came around, our country... Put together one of the largest armies and navies and army air corps that could be imagined, and we did it in short, in a short amount of time, and responded. Those companies that were geared up and got all that government money when World War II came to a close, first in Europe and then in the Pacific. They wanted to keep that money coming in. We had the Cold War, lots of money spent. As Dwight Eisenhower said, I mentioned this yesterday, beware the military-industrial complex. We've been feeding them trillions of dollars of tax money. And if you're honest about it, when's the last time we won a war here in the United States? World War II, 77 years ago. Seventy-seven years ago, this August was the end of World War II. We didn't win Korea. That was a stalemate. We abandoned Vietnam. We've walked away from the Middle East, and we left Afghanistan worse off than when we got there. So what have we really accomplished with our military besides spending a lot of money, and now the military becoming a social experiment? Evil is all around us, and it's not going away. Evil cannot be fixed at the ballot box, contrary to what many people try to imply in my inbox every day, politicians looking for money because they they alone with their friends and party can fix all that is wrong with America if we just vote correctly. And I'm reminded of what the Bible says. Put not your trust in princes or the sons of men. And so while I will vote accordingly come November here in the United States, as I have for 50 years, I'm fully aware that we're not going to fix all of the world's problems at the ballot box. We might get a little reprieve, might have a short time, a window of opportunity to share the gospel, to do some some more good for the household of faith. But I'm not putting my hope in any politician. I'm not putting my hope in the House of Representatives or the Senate of the United States. Because for every person that claims to be wanting to do good, there is plenty that are going to do harm. And there are plenty of you know false and fakes out there that say one thing and do another. We've seen it year after year after year. How many politicians in the United States become extremely conservative at election time and then they abandon all those tenets as soon as the election is over and they are sworn back into office, especially in the United States Senate. So I will vote accordingly. But my hope is not in my government. My hope is... My hope is that hymn says is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Back over 200 years ago, for a period of 10 years, there was the French Revolution in France. It was a time of radical political and societal change. And many people died... During that revolution, many of the old standards of France were toppled. And there became a bloodlust in that nation to kill those that were in power, the likes that had never been seen. Now, I'm not saying that the royalty of France were all wonderful people, I'm not. But it became an out of control 10 year period of time. And I would say that if you, if you lived in France during that period of time, in the late 1700s, all the way to the end of 1799, you would have believed your world is coming to an end. You would have believed that this, this revolution was the ushering in of the Antichrist and the end of the world the same could be can be said for most of europe starting in the late 1930s as europe went to war and many christians at that time they really believed this was the beginning of the end the mark of the beast is going to be here shortly you know i i remember reading some really crazy stuff over the years There's some old material that goes way back to the 1930s of some prophecy preachers saying that the German mark meant the mark of the beast. I mean, just silliness that never panned out. Even today, we have a lot of false teachers and preachers running around on radio, on television, and handing out their tracks, predicting dates. By the way, this... This weekend and going into Monday, according to one website, I mentioned this yesterday, this should be the beginning of the end and we'll have a rapture of some kind by Monday or Tuesday at the latest. Now, of course, I don't believe that, but I'm saying there are people that are still trying to push out dates, still trying to push out their books and their DVDs, and and, and I've got all the answers on the end time stuff. I get people asking me, to talk more about end times in preparation, and we'll do that. But I think what I'd rather do is look for a couple of guests that I can bring on the program to even talk more about it that have studied even more than I have, and then we can have a dialogue. There's a lot of misunderstanding, and a lot of people, a lot of faith groups are out there, even to this day, that came into being based on false promises of the end times. What we need to understand, most important, I can sit here and give you all the bad news you want, and we'll do our share of it, I'm sure, again next week on this program, sharing with you the bad news of the world around us, and trying to enlighten you of how not to be blinded, how not to be misled, and to ground yourself in the truth, and most importantly, in the truth of God, which passes all human understanding. In just a little bit, I'm going to share some stuff with you that I've been holding. I've shared some of this before. But I feel as we're coming into this weekend, this is the weekend where the church, for the most part, celebrates Pentecost. Pentecost, the giving of the Holy Spirit to the church. It is on Pentecost Sunday that we remember what we read in the book of Acts chapter 2. That after Jesus had ascended into heaven, his followers were gathered together for the feast of the harvest, and the Holy Spirit filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, I want to remind you of something, a little bit of background. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples to stay together He didn't tell them to go out and start the church. He didn't tell them to go out there and plant churches and witness to people. He told them to wait and be patient. And that day of Pentecost came. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now that strange occurrence drew a large crowd. And... Peter stood up to speak to them about repentance and the gospel. He began to preach. And by the end of that day that the Holy Spirit came and empowered the church, 3,000 people, according to the Bible, were added to the church. It's one reason why we should remember and celebrate Pentecost. There's no doubt in my mind that if the disciples had disobeyed Jesus and had tried to go out and witness to what Jesus had told them and all Jesus had done about the the crucifixion and the resurrection, the church would have fallen flat on its face because it was not yet empowered by the Holy Spirit. And one of the most important things to, in addition, understand, that through this power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, This baptism of fire, as as Jesus also called it, the apostles became more knowing, had a greater understanding of the mysteries of the gospel, and were now qualified to preach it to the people of all nations, and even in other languages. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, and you can see where he says it in John chapter 14. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to your remembrance all that I said to you. I can remember studying electronics years ago. And I went to a lot of classes on electronics, did a lot of reading. And there are times that I I forget much of what I've learned. And see, what the Bible is teaching us in this, What the Bible is teaching us is that the Holy Spirit will bring into remembrance all that I have taught you when you need it. We don't have to go out there and face this world and all of its evil alone. Alone. Joel chapter 2 in the Old Testament. And afterward I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. We're coming into a time where if the church and we as individual Christians are not empowered by the Holy Spirit, we're not going to have anything tangible to offer. Look, I can tell you all the things the Bible says about the end times, but I could never tell you the date. I could try to tell you the mechanics, and I'll probably get it wrong. We see through a glass dimly. We try to understand the things of God with our our mortal minds, and it's not something we just can't do. In just a couple of minutes, I want to share something with you. It is a message that I gave to a church, and I think it's about five or six years ago now. And I really believe that it fits where we are today. I know the format of the program today has been a little bit different, and, and I apologize for that. But I just felt that I wanted to talk to you a little bit before I shared this message. And before I share that message, let me just thank all of you that support this radio program. Without you, it would not be on the air. We made it through the month of May. We are now in the month of June and we're beginning those slow summer months. And I'm going to try to try to decide which stations are producing and which ones are not. And if there are some that are not producing, it's time to make a change. Maybe find one that does. And so it's important you let me know how you listen. I know we're growing as a podcast and I'm, I'm thankful for that as well. So if you'll send me an email, Bob at truthnumbertwonder dot com, Bob at truthenumber two ponder dot com, I would appreciate it. Let me know what radio station and what time you listen to the program. It helps me immensely. And you can also go to our website, truth number two ponder.com, and you can find out more about this program. Now, my voice is hoarse, as you can tell. It has been a busy week and we're getting ready to travel this weekend to Virginia. Pray about our situation with our home that we're trying to sell here in Georgia, that God will will take care of that. We just feel so strongly that it's time to let this house go. If you believe in the ministry, would you consider mailing a gift made payable to Ancient Word Radio? Mailing address is Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. That's 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. And we are in Crestview, Florida. Crestview, Florida. 32536. 32536. Now, I want to take you back about five years, maybe six years ago. And this is a message I preached about this time of the year that I think will be a blessing to you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, with the thoughts that you have placed upon my heart, I pray that your Holy Spirit empower me to say all that you would have me to say. That your word be multiplied and be blessed as it goes through this place. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. may be seated. I read a story this morning that someone shared that really fits where this message is going to go today. It is a story about a Muslim girl living in a country in Africa that is Muslim-dominated. And as a young child entering toward her teenage years, She was so devout and had such a hatred for Christians that she would steal Bibles to destroy them whenever she had the chance. She would do anything to make a Christian's life miserable because she thought she was doing an honorable service to her God. She went on to high school, went on to the university, graduated, got a very prestigious job with the radio and television commission of her nation, married into a prominent family, and everything was great. She was a true follower of her God and prophet, and had this despising notion about Christians as the infidel. She recounts a story one night in their bedroom, she and her husband. There was this sudden wind and noise and clamor and she heard literally the voice of the Lord call out to her. Her husband never heard a sound But she was shaken to the core. She tried to understand what just happened. The husband's going, I didn't hear anything. Go back to bed. She tried to understand what she knew, she heard, felt, and saw. This was on a Friday after Friday prayers. Saturday, she kept thinking about this, and on Sunday, she figured a way to sneak out and go to church. That was a mistake. Her husband beat her for even going to a church when he found out. But she ended up giving her life to the Lord because of this encounter. And for the next many years, I'm not going to go into all the detail. The suffering she went through, the beating she went through, being put in jail, being divorced, being chased down, being threatened to be killed, became her life. She operates a ministry now for those that are exiting the Muslim faith as they become believers in Jesus Christ and their lives are under peril and threat each and every day. And it's not just limited to Islamic religions. There are others that are equally as hated toward, or hateful toward Christians. Early in my ministry, I was before I took a church in Florida, I had a mission church in North Carolina. I actually had two. I would do one early and then one a little later. And when we opened our doors of this mission church north of Charlotte and Salisbury, I had this one lady come to church one day. She was, shall we say, a very lapsed Episcopalian. And she had heard about this church that used the old prayer book, and she, she really felt she needed to do something in her life, and so she decided to come. Now, in her story, she was... Born and raised in, in the United States, and she had married a guy from India when she was abroad, who was a devout Hindu. And they now live together in Salisbury, been married for many, many years. And she, because of him being a Hindu, just kind of pushed her Christianity aside, which is surprising how easy it is for Americans to do, but she did. And eventually her conscience got the better of her, so she started to come to church. He was actually a pretty nice guy about it, and he started to show up with her just to be nice to his wife. One day after the service, he wanted to talk to me for a few minutes. And he asked me this pointed question: "What must I do to be saved?" The message had clicked. And I told him how easy it was. Faith is so simple. And we discussed it. And then his wife approached me and said, my husband wants to be baptized and he wants to make a public profession of acceptance of Jesus Christ. But you realize that when he does, his family in India will disown him like he is dead. His mother and dad are still living, but he'll have a mother and dad no longer. He has brothers and sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles. As far as they're concerned, he died in America. He will have to give up his family for the cause of Christ. That very next Sunday, we had the first baptism of that church had the font set up in the front so everybody can see normally you do it from the back as the entry but he wanted to make and give his testimony of how over the course of a couple of months in that church coming with his wife who had been the errant episcopalian who finally decided to come back to the fold she was the one he was the one that received the greatest benefit our epistle today in 1 Peter says a story that the American Christians do not want to hear. Do not talk to me about fiery trials and persecutions and things not being good. I don't want to hear any of that. I want the happy Christianity with the light show that I can go see whenever I feel it's in my time that I I can make the time to go see it. He's saying do not be surprised by the fiery trials that are going to come into your life. People will hate you, despise you. There are other parts of the scripture that says people that want to kill you will think they're doing the world a great service. American Christianity is dead. American Christianity is cheap, grace, and worthless. It's all about what's in it for me. Today's megachurches are nothing more than pornographic entertainment centers with light shows. And people are being, they're in a church a mile wide and a quarter inch deep in the depth of their faith. And that's why when the trials of life hit these people, they go into panic mode. They don't even go, they don't know what to do. And their church can't help them because they're so busy with a happy gospel. We don't know how to deal with trial and tribulation. And as the pastor and leader of those churches go, so goes the church. If he fails as a leader, the church fails and shuts down. It's about the cause of Christ, not the person that's preaching. I get more and more Upset the older I get. I promised when I was younger in my thirties I would never turn to that mean old man. <laughs> but I'm doing it. And it's not so much that I'm mean, it's not so much that I'm angry. Yeah, there's a righteous anger. It's I'm looking at the world walking off a cliff blindly. We let into our homes. I said this to my wife this morning. We let into our homes the most deprived, disgusting things off cable and satellite that come into our eyes, ears, and minds. Our kids are exposed to 10, 20, 30, 60 hours a week of this stuff between their devices, the TV set, and computers. And then they're too tired to go to church on Sunday. Oh, the angels have got too much on their plate. They're being filled with the world. They're being filled with the world. The Bible says, be not of this world. Be separate from this world. What is it about the American Christian that can't understand that concept? We want to be all the worldly things we can get. We want to be accepted by the world. We're willing to forsake a church on a Sunday morning to do something worldly. It's not number one. If, if Christ isn't number one, he's nothing. If Christ is not number one in your life, he has no part of your life. Amen. This is the problem with the American church. We compartmentalize our lives in such a way <laughs> that... Well, we put church in that little box right there, and we can't talk about that. We might offend somebody. There's a great hymn I remember as a child. Jesus, and it shall ever be a mortal man ashamed of thee. But how many people that claim the name of Christ are ashamed of Christ? How many people... How many people would give up their relationship for Jesus Christ, so they claim to have, for a promotion, a better job or opportunity? There are a lot of them that would. I can remember, and I saw this in my own family. My grandparents were very stoic Christians that lived the faith. And I have a sister, God love her, but she's kind of, how do I put it, more into the world than than into Christ. had not been in church in decades. She and her husband have lived a very good and financially rewarded life in what they've done career-wise, that they are self-sustained. I've watched the daughters she had grow up to they've never been involved they know nothing about the faith yet in difference to my grandparents my sister decided because of my grandparents insistence that the children be baptized now my grandparents were getting on in age and so it was done at their house we had a home baptismal service And my heart knew then that the day that they drive back to their home in Maryland, that's the end of it for the church. The next time my sister was in a church was 20, well, about 18 years later when I was ordained to the priesthood. Because we did that up in Maryland so my grandmother could be there. She was in her mid 90s. We moved it from Georgia to Maryland. That shows how much church life, because it's inconvenient. I need my time, my space. You know, what we don't understand, if you ever read some of the early church fathers, if you read about some of the early saints of God, you know what used to get them angry? You know what angered some of the early saints? Why am I not being persecuted and martyred? Am I not good enough, Lord, to catch the attention of those and be dragged into the street for my faith? That's a far cry from where we are today. There are places in this world, I know, I do a radio show that reaches to farther places around the world, and I get the emails There are places in the world that being a Christian will truly cost you. The only thing it costs you in America is your time. And we can't even give that anymore. Like I say, the American church has been deceived by the author of Lies Himself. That church is all about me. It's all about me. You know, when I preach here in this church, there's one thing, unless you've looked around the building, as I look out down the aisle, look at that picture in the back. Look at that picture in the back. Jesus on the cross. He gave it all for me. He loved me with a love. He loves you with a love. He wants to receive you as his own. I get so furious at the prosperity preachers that are out there. Just sow a seed in my ministry and I will bless you with a new house and a new Mercedes like I got. I am so sick of those that look at the world around them and try to follow the wave of the current of all the things going wrong in the world. They're the prophets of God, spelled P R O F I T S. Whatever happened to genuine faith? Whatever happened to saved by grace, by faith? Whatever happened to knowing that God can take me through the bad times instead of trying to avoid the bad times? Where did it all go? It's gone. I'm going to close with this thought. I has anybody ever heard of what's called the Babylon Bee? Have you ever online? Anybody ever heard of that one? Babylon Bee? It's it's a sat it's a Christian satire site. I love it. It is one of the funniest, well written, and poignant little sites I've ever seen. The Babylon Bee. It's a Liberty University graduate that put this thing together, and. This gal can follow the trends in society, the church, and everything else, and she has some of the greatest articles, and they're funny. There was one that was extremely funny, but unfortunately 100% true. It says mainline denominations now are considered a safe space from the gospel. Like Lutherans, Methodists, Episcopalians, Presbyterians. Safe place in the gospel. You don't have to worry about the gospel anymore. It's a safe place. You're not going to be having somebody preach about sin. You're not going to hear about anything bad. So they are now a safe place from the gospel. And I thought about that. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And they wonder why they continue on this rapid decline. Presbyterians, once 5 million, down down to 2 million. Lutherans, down about a million over the last 20 years. Episcopalians, about half in the last 25 because they've cheapened the message of God, the fire and the power of God and the Holy Spirit is gone. The book of Revelation says the lampstand may be taken. There are a lot of missing lampstands in America today. And they've replaced it with a light show. They can never have the Shekinah glory of God. In the years that I have in my life, there's a message to get out to the world. I can't reach all of it. I can't reach 10% of it. I can't even reach 1% of it. But whatever slice that God puts in front of me, I will work to reach. And that becomes job one, without fail. To me, when I think of that hymn, ashamed of Jesus shall it never be, a mortal man ashamed of thee. I never want to apologize for my Christ. I never want to say, well, you know, that's just the church thing that I'm supposed to do, but you know, it's not really. What does the Bible say? If you deny me before others, I shall deny you before my Father. We forget that aspect of Scripture. But it is so important that we, the remnant of the church, can be, as St. Paul said, I joy in my sufferings. John said, I joy in my sufferings. Peter, I joy in my sufferings. They all did. And God carried them through. My middle name is Stephen, spelled like the first martyr of the church. I was actually born Robert Lee Erickson, but when I was adopted, the Robert stayed and the middle name changed. All of us had a biblical name added somewhere. And mine was Stephen. And, you know, I kept thinking, that's kind of a weird choice. You know, you're the guy that just got started as a deacon and he gets killed. <laughs> Not a great ending. Why can't he be like Paul or, or John or, you know, name one of them, Barnabas, some great person that did a lot. Oh, This guy gets cut off of the knees before he gets started. But the greatest thing about Stephen, a man full of grace and full of the Holy Spirit, would not back down when given the chance. He could have saved himself like all the Christians. All the apostles that were martyred for the faith could have easily escaped death if they just said, no, Christ didn't rise from the dead. That's all I had to say. They could have been walking the face of the earth till they were old men. But they didn't. But as Stephen is giving up his life on this earth... He's getting that wonderful gift, the scripture says, he's already seeing into the windows of heaven. And he's full of joy. And proclaiming, forgive them. Don't hold, do not hold this sin against them. As he was ushered into the presence of an almighty God. We live in a truly dangerous world. And it's time that the church recognize it's a dangerous world. It's time that we recognize that there are more important things in life than, than something on HBO, Cinemax, Netflix. It's funny how many people will make an hour available to catch a TV show that find it so inconvenient to find their way to a church. I'm as guilty as anybody in my younger years. I did it for a while, too. God got a hold of me one day. And I remember the day. I started out this pathway in my life. As a child, I was given all the advantages of a parochial school all the way through the eighth grade. Lived in a very small community in upstate New York We were very active in our church in Long Island, extremely active in our church, big church. I went to church two or three times on a Sunday because I was in the choir. When I first moved to Georgia, I was still going to church. And somewhere along the way in my radio career, I was too tired one Sunday. And it was easy to sleep in. And before you know it, I found over the next, oh, I don't know, seven or eight years, I had disjointed myself conveniently from the church. It wasn't something that I just did one day, I just allowed the things of the world to take dominance in my life. One day, maybe. Five, six, seven years into this, seven years into this, I woke up one night, couldn't sleep. May have been a Friday night, could have been a Saturday morning, I can't remember. But I felt this awful burden on my heart. I felt like God had just put his hand on my shoulder and was pushing down hard, shaking me. Wake up, listen to what I have to say. If anybody's ever heard my story, I was placed for adoption when I was one year of age. And I'm not sure if I've ever shared this or not with this congregation. Some of you never heard this, but I'm going to make it very brief. I was conceived in California, born in Brooklyn. That's a long way. And my mother tried to keep me for a while, but, you know, the pressures in 1954, you just don't do that. And she had no way of doing it. Her father, my grandfather, was not thrilled about this idea, so there was always a problem and an angst. And when she first came back to Brooklyn before I was born, nobody cared about her because of just the way the things were in that day. And I met my biological mother, by the way, spent time with her back in the late 80s when I found her. And she related this story to me. She said, I was sitting in front of a house one day, feeling like it's the end of the world. What am I going to do? Nobody wants to associate with me. I have no friends. My father's angry. Nobody cares about me. And she said, I just didn't know what to do about you. And all of a sudden, this young lady appeared and sat down next to her right there in front of their brownstone house on the steps and introduced herself. And my mother says, it was the strangest countenance about this person I've ever seen. She was young, very pretty, and why is she spending time with me? For the next four months that gal moved into the house and took care of my mother was made sure that she got to the hospital so I could be delivered in birth strangely the grandfather had no trouble with her being there and she said after you were born she pressured me to make sure you were baptized as soon as possible she would not let that go and so I went down to the Salem Danish Evangelical Lutheran Church around the corner and we went in to talk to the guy who, by the way, I ended up talking to in 1988 in the process of trying to locate her, who said, I remember your baptism. We had a strange rule. We would never do an outside baptism. You're the only one I ever did. Something just said, I have to do it. When this person came in with your mother, I knew I had to and I did, did it privately the very next Sunday after church. Never forget that as long as I live. The day I was baptized, Lee disappeared off the face of the earth, never to be seen again. That was her name. And that was my middle name, Robert Lee Erickson. Because of this person, I really believe that where I ended up was so different than where I should have been. The intervention of God's people in somebody's life can make a difference. And in spite of my stubborn ways in my younger years, God got a hold of me and jerked me back. And planted me out into a Bible college, and then from a Bible college into the ministry. And in these last few years, I've been doing a lot less ministry than I should be doing. I'm busy trying to make ends meet, so things have got to change. It's welling up inside of me. I have to. I have to answer that calling. Jesus, I am not ashamed of you, because you were never ashamed of me. You received me unto your own as your son as you receive all of us as your sons and daughters. Heavenly Father, may we learn the things that are important. May we put aside the things we deem urgent and rest our peace in you. For this we ask in your name, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope that message I shared was a blessing to you and a help in your your daily walk. If it was, would you take the time to let me know? You can visit our website, which is truth2ponder.com. And from there, you can learn more about this particular radio program. I'm thankful for the opportunity that we have. Hard to believe that we have going to our 20th or 21st month of doing Truth to Ponder each and every day. And I'm thankful for all of you that support this radio ministry. It keeps it on the air. Some days, like today, they're hard. it's hard to get a program produced. Other days, it just flows. Pray for me as I reach out to get more guests on this program to help give you the knowledge and information you need during these very strange and very difficult times we need to learn to pray for one another i know many of you have been praying for my wife and i as we are preparing to make some major changes in our life and it's not easy and so i pray for for god's guidance in all that we do and i i'm just coveting your prayers right now more than you'll ever know for those that support us financially Don't forget us as we get into these long, warm days of summer. If you can help us out financially and remembering that, you know, the church is built on the rock that is Jesus Christ and empowered by his Holy Spirit. I am just a vessel. I'm just another person trying to do the work that God has laid upon my heart to do for his kingdom. If you can help keep us on the air, Make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. That's Ancient Word Radio. Mailing address, Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North. That's 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. That's number 3248. The city is Crestview. One word, Crestview, Florida. Crestview, Florida, 32536. That's zip code again, 32536. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.
1: Shalom alechem. this is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, and get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now, remember when you were a child and the months of May and June came around? Remember what it was like? It was a time of going out. Classes were finishing up, vacation was coming, summer was on the way, you'd have closing assemblies, and then school would disband and everybody would go their separate ways. Well, ancient Israel had something like that too. Every year around May and June, Israel would gather in Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Harvest, Shavuot, known in Greek as Pentecost. Now, after celebrating, they'd all go out to their fields and vineyards and they'd reap the great summer harvest and they wouldn't see each other again until the fall. It was the Feast of Going Out. And so it was no accident that on this festival, this very day, the celebration of going out, 2,000 years ago, God sent the Spirit. You see, the disciples had to go out. They had to go out into all the nations, into the harvest field of the Great Commission. They had to leave home and the comfort of the familiar. You see, going out is holy. The Spirit comes during the Feast of Going Out. You want a life that flows in the Spirit? You want to grow? You want to fulfill the Great Commission and the calling on your life? Then you have to celebrate the Feast of Going Out. That's when the Spirit comes. You have to leave the comfort of the old and the familiar that you might have the freedom of the new and the joy and the adventure of God's best. Don't live a life of fear. Step out, my friend. Step out in faith. Move out in the spirit. Get out in the power into the joy of his harvest. Because it's summertime. The harvest is great and the spirit has come. And you, my friend, you need to go out. Want more? Ask for going out. And what if I offered you a million dollars? Well, something better than a million dollars. Something that'll help give you a strong and victorious life. A free subscription to Sapphires. Vitamins for your spirit and the incredible mystery of the temple doors all free. You'll love it. How do you get all this? Easy. Just remember Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's it. Call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, the harvest is great. The labors are few. I invite you to join with me in the harvest. You don't need a plow, just an open heart and a pen, and you can reach the unreached peoples of the world. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, the nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. That's Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Shalom Alechem, peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah. Messiah Adon Katsir, the Lord of the Harvest.